Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpet, your host. And with me today, I have Chris Smith, former baseball player and entrepreneur now in, in Tampa, Florida. Hey, Chris, glad to have you back here again, man. And, you know, we talked about your history in the game before. And to me, it's exciting to see somebody who's had the opportunity to play so many different places, whether it be with the Yankee organization, the Blue Jays, the Tigers, the Nationals, I believe, as well, <laughs> and their yeah. league, Pecos League. Man, you saw quite a bit of career, and we kind of traveled with you on some of that. The last time we talked, I think we were getting to the point where you were going to be with the Blue Jays. Tell us how that step happened. Yeah, so I was signed by the Yankees in 2013. I unfortunately showed up to camp with like a stretch reaction in my middle and my forearm, so I missed my first full year with the Yankees. Resigned with the Yankees in 2000, or stayed with the Yankees in 14, had a good year. And then 15, I got re-signed, and then I had a really good camp, actually. But then, I don't know, I don't even know if I brought this story up to you, but I got released the last day of camp, 2015, by the Yankees. And I'd only given up one hit all spring. I was pretty – I thought I was going to go to double-A. You know, they gave me the – I was. I guess I was at 26-man on that double-A roster. And I'll never forget it, and I, I'm packing up my locker. I've got my car all packed up. I'm ready to drive up to Trent, New Jersey. And I go, I'm like, they tell me to meet meet them back in the back room. And I thought Danny Burrell was my pitching coordinator at the time. And I thought, oh, like, he just kind of tell me, like, hey, just continue to do what you're doing, da, da, da. So I go back to the pitching coaching office, and nobody's back there except for Greg Pavlik. He was uh, kind of our rehab coordinator and everything like that. He's an awesome guy. And he goes, hey, good luck, Smitty. You going to keep pitching? And I was just like, what do you mean? Am I going to keep pitching? Of course I am. I was like, about to go to Trenton, New Jersey. And he's like, oh, oh, okay, well, good luck to you. So I walk out of the room. And I already, mind you, I've already been released three, three times at this point. So right then and there, I was like, something's about to happen. So I walk out, I text one of my good friends, Alex Smith, who's on his way up to Trenton already. I'm like, dude, I think I'm about to get released. He's like, man, no way. And then sure as shit. Two seconds later, you know, Gil Patterson comes over. He's the other pitching coordinator at the time. He goes, come here, Smitty. And I was like, uh-oh. I was like, there's the Reaper I know. And so, and I've been seeing guys, you know, it's 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 tough during spring training. We talk, this is another thing, too, about spring is you see a lot of your buddies that get cut, you know, and get get released. And that's a, that's a difficult part of the game, too, is like you lose friends in this game that go to different organizations or lose their job. You know, that's a, that's a very tough pill to swallow for these guys. But – yeah, they called me back and they went back there and Gary Dembo was our farm director at the time and kind of just told us, told me basically, you know, like there's some guys that they want to give opportunities to and didn't really see me fit in the needs of the organization. And, um, and, and it's, it was a tough pill to swallow. You know, it's like, you feel like you kind of give your all, but at the same time, you understand the value that's next to your name and that's a dollar. So the dollar amount, unfortunately, in the game of baseball means a lot. And I got a plane ticket, you know, to spring training in 2013. And then 14, you know, I had a decent year enough that I felt like I'd get an opportunity again in 15. But, hey, I mean, we had to stack – we had stacked rosters all throughout our system in that year. So, yeah, so inevitably they released me. I went home. I signed another independent ball contract because I was – I mean, the previous years, the first year I was hitting 95 as a reliever. So I thought, you know, like they, they moved me from a starter to a reliever at that point. And so then I was like, hey, like I can't – I got too much gas in the tank to let it go. You know, I can't I can't quit now. So come back home. I signed a contract with the St. Paul Saints. And then I was home for about a week. And then I got a text from Danny Burrell. And he said – he just sent me like, hey, how you doing with like a smiley face. And I was like, I'm doing great. I obviously wish I was still like pitching right now in the season. And he goes – 
And then next thing I know, I got a, a call from, from the assistant farm director and they actually re-signed me to come back. So the Yankees re-signed me to come back. They told me I was going to go up to double A. They put me in extended spring training for a little bit for like three or four weeks. And then I went to high A, pitched well. And then I went to double A. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you last time. I had a really good month and then I had one bad outing, probably the worst outing of my career. Yeah, I gave up seven runs in like two-thirds of an inning. You know, broken back hits. Yeah, it was it was tough. My parents were there in the stands. Danny Burrell was at that time I had like a one point two or one point three RA through my first whole month. And then that one bad outing shot me up to like a six or a five or something like that. And then the next day I got put on the Phantom DL. And then the next day we went to Binghamton and I was in Binghamton throwing a bullpen. And then two days later they they sent me down from Trenton, New Jersey back to extended spring training. So I drove 17 hours all the way back down to extended. Yeah, I was in extended spring training for about another week, and they put me back in high A. Um, was in high A, and I went about about a month and a half, two months without giving up a run. And I got that eerie feeling again. I don't know. I, I never forget it. I called my agent, and I was like, man, I was like, I'm getting a lot of weird looks. And I was like, I know we got some guys that are coming off the DL. And this is another thing, too. Like, no fault to those guys that are coming off, like, the disabled list. Like, they're they're my buddies, too. I understand, like, where they are in the organization. I understand them. the money that's next to their name. Again, we're talking about that value, that number. And uh, so, yeah, then they called me in. Tommy Phelps was my pitching coach. And called me in. We just got done from a doubleheader into, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. And we drove four hours across the state. And then – we walked in the next day and we were in Jupiter, Florida. I dropped off my bags and they said, Hey, Smitty, we need to see you in the office. And I was like, All right, here we go again. And that was tough. That was a really, really tough pill to swallow. And this is like, and I knew it was going to be my end of my tenure with the Yankees. I just knew it. You know, you just kind of get that gut feeling. And it was very challenging because, like I told, like I said, like I lost, I felt like I was losing like 25 of my best friends out there. And they were also looking in there going, Well, what more could have this guy could have done? You know, and that and that was very disheartening because it's like, well, that tells me that it doesn't matter about what you do. It matters what numbers next to your name. Right. And and I kind of emphasize that to to the coaches that were in there with me. You know, obviously, I was a little kind of butthurt about it, but I, I understand it's a business. The game of baseball is a very big business. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I kind of pick my head up and called my mom and dad. I was like, hey, I'm getting released again. And, you know, it was kind of devastating for me. So I had a buddy that was with the New York Yankees too at the time, and he had a house down here in Tampa. He let me stay in his, like, kind of mother-in-law suite in the back. And uh, I just kept my arm kind of ready. I, I was I would throw in the middle of the street with the catcher, catcher Wes Wilson at the time. I'd call him. He was, like, the backup catcher to Kyle Higashioka. And uh, I said, hey, man, do you mind coming playing catch with me before you go in the field? He'd come over a few few times throughout the week just to keep my arm in shape. And then a week later, that's whenever the Blue Jays traded away, like, literally all their players. You know, that was the David Price year. They got David Price, Russell Martin, Tulowitzki, and they traded away basically half their farm system. Well, my agent, thankfully, had a good friend within the Blue Jays organization, and that's how I was able to get signed by them. And they kind of signed me over. They said, hey, he's ready to go. Signed me over. I went over to high with the Blue Jays. And Vince Horseman was the kind of the first pitching coaches that I was able to kind of come across. And to be honest, he was kind of a huge proponent and accelerated my career from there because he believed in me whenever I kind of showed up. One of the first questions he asked me was like, well, why did they release you? 
And I said, I'm going to be honest, I just don't think I fit in the organization. I guess they didn't see future plans for me. I guess I was too old at that time. I was like 0.5, in high. And and he goes, well, he goes, we don't care about your number. We don't care about the age here. We care about if you can pitch or not. So we're looking forward to seeing what you can do. And the first night in Dunedin, I, I popped like a 90. I was 95, 96. I was, I was like pitching with my hair on fire, man. <laughs> <laughs> So I was feeling like 95, 96, and I was actually surprised myself, but I don't know if it was just a little bit of break that I got in between, and I started a different workout routine, and I'm telling you, I just – and then the whole – and then I, all the guys that were in the bullpen were like, who is this guy? And, you know, then I then it's established – and, again, we're, we're going back to a new team, and you got to meet new guys, reestablish yourself. So it was cool. So then Blue Jays signed me, went to high there. Pitched there for about a month, didn't give up any run, gave up one, gave up one solo homer. And then, then they called me up to double A for like the last like five games of the season because they needed somebody. And ironically, it was against the New York Yankees in Trenton. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was cool. I got a little revenge. I I had two appearances in those four or five games and I didn't give up a run. It was, it was exciting. And then the Blue Jays inevitably ended up resigning me again. They went ahead and gave me a new contract for the next year. And then that's kind of when I went to Puerto Rico in the offseason for winter ball for my first opportunity in winter ball. So it's the story continued from there. That's how I initially got with the Blue Jays. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What was Puerto Rico ball like? How was that? It was honestly, it was great. First time I felt like I started up making money in minor league baseball because. When you first sign this like seven year contract, unfortunately, it's not like that's the thing is everybody's oh you sign you sign with the New York Yankees, you're a millionaire. Da, da, da. No, no, no. My first year with the New York Yankees, I literally cleared eleven thousand dollars. So it's like that's just a little bit of a perspective <laughs> that a lot of people I guess don't understand. So did that and then went to Puerto Rico and they ended up kind of paying me a little bit better down there. And I'm gonna be honest, it's where you kind of learn how to win. Like winter ball is the first place where you really, really learn how to win because down there, they don't care. They don't care, like they don't. They're not there to develop you, you know. In the minor league system, they're they're there to develop players. So I mean, teams could go twenty five games under five hundred. It's okay if they're like top guys or just getting developed, moving on, you know. But in Puerto Rico, the Dominican, they don't care. All their their only goal is to win. So I went down there and they they put me in the setup row. Adam Kolarik was a seventh inning guy, and then Joe Jimenez, who's with he was with the Tigers. He was our closer. He's only like twenty years old at the time, and we had a great. And then I was in Carolina, so that was cool. I got, I mean, I was away all year. Went straight there, pitched there. I had like twenty two appearances. Our team got eliminated from the playoffs, and then the Dominican team, the Estrellas, called me after we got eliminated and was like, "Hey, we'd like to kind of have you come over here." So on New Year's Day, I flew from Puerto Rico, the DR. They have a they have a fourteen game round robin in the Dominican, and I threw in about seven of those fourteen games over there. Wow. So I I had about twenty two appearances in Puerto Rico, and I had another like seven there. So I had like thirty, almost thirty appearances even in winter ball. So then winter ball kind of was coming towards an end, and I just got back. And then our team in the DR got eliminated. I fly back home, and it's so funny because I just ran across the. the the manager at the time, his name is Manny Acta for Lee Say, and they wanted to draft me. So that's where the Dominican works. And like winter ball leagues is once a team's eliminated, they're trying to build like a super team for their like Caribbean series. Right. So, so they try to draft me. And then, I'm, and then I was like, Hey, I was like, I'm sorry. I literally just got home from like 10 months, 11 months of being away. I'm just trying to spend a little time with my family. And I was like, but I ended up not 
Reese going back down there for the playoffs. And then shortly after Puerto, and then I was home for like a week and I got that baseball itch again. And Puerto Rico calls me and is like, Hey, we'd like you to come pitch for us in the Caribbean series. And I was like, man, I was like, don't know if I'll get this opportunity again. And I was like, so I accepted it. So, and ironically, the the Caribbean series was back in the Dominican. So I flew <laughs> back to the Dominican and got to, got to pitch, I pitched two times down there against Cuba and Venezuela and then came straight back and went to spring training again with the Blue Jays. And then went to, then went to the Blue Jays, minor league camp, got a couple like those, like kind of come over to major league camp and back up a couple of times. I had one appearance over there, which was cool. And then went to double A and became kind of the closer there. And it was just, it was, I don't know. It's like I said, I could, I could spend all day talking about kind of the career that's happened, but yeah, that's, and then Vince Horseman, like I said, I'll, I'll never not say this, but that guy was so pivotal in believing in me. And I think I even talked about the last podcast, you know, just having somebody in your corner that can be like, this guy's, can do it you know and then putting that like and at that time i'd already been like again released like four times twice in the same organization twice in independent ball so getting that opportunity and then them actually sitting down and believing me putting me in a closure role in double a going you deserve to be here we're not sending you to high we're not we're not releasing you we're not putting you in triple a like we know what you got we just want to see you come and like really bring out your full potential and I'm going to be honest, like Vince Horseman did that. He started working with me on a daily basis. We had a great routine. Tarpy and Pike, they were like my trainer and my, um, and, and I guess our athletic trainer, they they really like worked with me too. And we just had such a good routine. And I just, and then the next thing I know, I was throwing like 97, 98. So kind of established myself and started opening up a few eyes in the organization. Gil Kim was our new farm director. The kind of Blue Jays was kind of changing some people over and, had a great year that year in double A and then got a opportunity in triple A at the end of the year when the September call-ups happened and then did pretty well there. They put me in the closer role immediately in triple A because all the guys went up and then we got called in the office towards the end of the year and they were like, Hey guys, we're going to, there's, there's probably like eight or nine of us. And they said, Hey, we're going to, you guys are going to basically be going down to hot camp to stay hot just in case we want to call you guys up to the major leagues. And for me to be even part of that conversation after kind of the journey and road I've been on, I'm like, sure, no problem. Like I'll go, no problem. No, no big deal. Like, yeah, I want to keep pitching. So I came and but the only problem was, is I booked a cruise in like February or January of the year before, not thinking this was even on the radar, to be honest. I thought, oh, okay, if I get an opportunity in AAA and just kind of establish myself there, that'd be great. So they call me in and they say, we've got an opportunity to go to the big leagues. And I was like, oh, but it was like, it was going to be like 15 or 20 days later once I got into Dunedin. So I thought, oh, it's okay. Like if I'm not called up by them, then I'll just go on this cruise. But obviously, if I'm called up, I reschedule this cruise. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so ironic. So what happened was I'm down in, down there in Dunedin, and everything's going good. I'm staying warm. I'm the only player that showed up for those like two weeks. I'm the only player. And the cruise day comes, and Dorado, which was another guy in AAA, is like kind of lefty sat arm. He shows up. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm going on this cruise. I called Gil Kim. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. Like, it's cruise time for me. Like, it, this offseason, this this opportunity may happen. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, damn. He's like, well, hopefully. He's like, hopefully you don't get it. Like, we don't need you in the middle when you're in the middle of the ocean. I was like, well, there are planes and helicopters that I can maybe get on and <laughs> get out of there. So, uh, but it's, it's, it's crazy. So then I go on this cruise. I get off. In the morning at like 8.30, I go straight to the complex to work out again. It's like a four-day cruise. It wasn't like I was gone for like two weeks or anything. I go I go straight into the workout. I come home. 
And then I'm watching the game, watching the major league game. And they're playing the New York Yankees, ironically. And there's a brawl that night. Oh. And Benoit is running in from the bullpen and he tears his calf running in. And then I kind of see that, that he's like rolling around in the outfield and they cart him off. They take him off the field. And I'm like, my agent calls me and goes, keep your phone by you. You might get an opportunity. And then I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, Gil Kim calls me and goes, Hey, it's like, I want to let you know that we're not putting you on the 40 man roster yet, but we're calling you up tomorrow. Once we kind of know the severity of Benoit's injury, then we're going to kind of decide if we can put you on that 40 man and on the active roster. And I was like, anybody's like, you can't tell anybody. You can tell your like family that like, you can tell your family, but don't tell anybody else. So I was like, okay. So getting that call, you know, like kind of gave me chills, you know, like, Hey, I'm getting called up even to go to Toronto, which was amazing. They're in the playoff hunt, you know, like, so then I, called my dad and had a great conversation let him know I was going up and then next day landed in Toronto and they activated me so uh, my phone was off obviously in the air and as soon as I landed boom then I got activated and that was kind of that was my kind of first call up to the big leagues and it was that was pretty pretty cool so this is all within like that like I said that one year and it's been it was a crazy year you know not to even think that I would be in that position and then Getting there, and then it was there was only six days left in the major league season. But we had we had three games against Baltimore, and then another three against Boston. And I was actually able to be there for David Ortiz's last regular season game. I know we were talking about him earlier, and that was that was amazing. You know, like a bunch of the rookies like stayed in the clubhouse, and I was like, I'm gonna come out and watch this. So I'm like sitting out on the fence with like Pilar and Tulowitzki and Donaldson and. Russell Martin, we're all like applauding. Like Mary J. Blige is like singing the anthem. All like the former World Series guys are coming in, giving big poppy. Like they're and I don't know. I was I was just tickled pink to be there. I was just taking it all in. Like first time walking out of Fenway, I made sure like I videoed it. Like like I said, I was like a fanboy, but on the team, you yeah. know. And and then my family was able to kind of come up to Fenway. My my first host family I ever had an independent ball with Lake Erie Crushers. They came up to see me. So I mean, like I don't know. It was just. It was just a really, really cool moment. I didn't even get to pitch in those first six days because, like I said, we were in a playoff hunt. They didn't want to throw a guy in there that I hadn't pitched since, I don't know, the end of the season. So, And then that was my first six days in the big leagues. Was the, And we clinched on game 162. So I got to actually party with the team <laughs> on game 162. Got to pop bottles with them in Fenway. And it was, I don't know, like I said, for my cup of coffee I have in the big leagues, I have stories for days just because I guess I kind of soaked it all in, you know, and – and that's why it's like for these guys that even get these windows of opportunity, it's just it's cool because I know I know they're gonna I know they're gonna embrace those opportunities probably just as much as I did. Well, we're looking forward to seeing those guys here in the spring training. Like you said, yep. twenty nine of them with the Yankees, and mm-hmm. I don't have the numbers for the rest of them, but I'm sure, like you were saying too, because of the World Baseball Classic, there will probably be you know more openings. I know the Rays, I think, are sending twelve people to to WBC. And there's mm-hmm. others I've seen. I think the Cardinals, I can't remember how many people they have, but mm-hmm. there's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. so a lot of room for some people in spring training. Looking forward to that, my friend. You, mm-hmm. you know, a funny thing, it's going to be interesting for spring training for anybody who's a Rays fan because mm-hmm. they're doing all their home spring training games outside of the first one in the trop. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. They're doing their first one down the road with the, I think, the ESPN Wild Wild Wild, wild. The point, <laughs> anyway. Worldwide sports. Yeah, Thank yeah, yeah. you, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're doing the first one down there. 
But after that, they're going to the trop and, you know, whichever for their home games during spring training. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting. No, no Port Charlotte this year at all, huh? No, I mean, the hurricane damage was just oh, too yeah, devastating. Too devastating. Well, so. well, that'll bring a little bit of excitement even more to the area, you know. And they're oh, yeah. talking about moving the kind of rays out of St. Peter, maybe finding a place in St. Peter, possibly over here in Tampa. So it's. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of exciting stuff around the Rays, and they've got their stuff figured out there. I just watched actually a really cool thing about their pitching coach, about how he connects with the players more on like just not just a pitching side of things, but more on like a personal level too. Like that's like he's like wants to make sure they're good on a personal level that he they established that between like that connection between each other before. I'll be honest, that's that's number one. It should always be number one. Yeah. You know, it's like, because because at the end of the day, we are humans, you know, like we do make mistakes. We do have lives outside of baseball. There are a lot of influences and stuff that doesn't go into analytics that doesn't get taken into consideration. And just to hear that guy kind of talk about how he approaches his pitchers, I thought was pretty cool. Kind of being on like a personal level with those guys. I think it's a professional, but also on a personal level, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is critical. Recently, I had a sports psychologist on here. And, you know, a couple of things we were talking about as far as coaching is seeing the strength of the player that's out there. You're mm-hmm. not going to go out there and give them a course correction when you see there's already something that's working. You know, mm-hmm. you, you give some positive reinforcement, maybe a tweak or two. But if you've got a talent who's already got that level, there's really mm-hmm. no reason to be doing that kind of tweaking. And so the, the kind of individual you're talking about as far as the Rays hitting coach, that's that's outstanding. And I think we all wish there were more coaches like that out there. Yeah. Yeah, the pitching coach, actually. And I, he kind of – he's with like – like you can see him like walking through and like seeing Glasnow and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. Glasnow's even like – yeah, Glasnow's even like, man, this guy is just – you know, like we have a we have a friendship beyond baseball, which is amazing. Like, like I said, I have a friendship beyond baseball with that Vince Horseman guy. Like he used to live here in Dunedin. So like – Whenever I was trying to get through like my Tommy John injury, he was working with me here. And it's because like, because it's just like, it matters whenever you know that these coaches actually care about you both on and off the field. It really does matter. Helps the player just kind of feel a little bit more, you know, like it's not like a fatherly figure, but like a mentor, you know, like you need that and you need, you need these guys to know that you're, that they're in your corner, not just there to beat you down all the time. Cause the game, like you said, it's a game full of failures. And if you got somebody that can kind of get you through those downs and bring those, get you back to those ups, then that's a, it's a pretty pivotal person in your, in the, the organization. What's his name again? Cal Snyder. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cal Snyder. Yeah. He is amazing. And, and he's amazing to watch too, even on, on the TV, this tall, lanky guy walking out there to talk with his pitchers. And it always looks supportive. You know, I, I don't get to hear what he's saying, but it always looks supportive. And it was interesting too, because looking at Kyle being the man that he is, it, when we brought in Snell, when we brought in glass now with the, with the Rays, he had something else he could communicate in common too, because you're, t- you know, he's talking with taller fellas, and I would think there's some aspects to pitching that are that are, I guess, impacted by a player's stature. Yep, Kyle Snyder, the the pitching coach for the Rays. Yeah, I've, I've always admired him, and mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. I went to a, a fan fest for the Rays a couple of years back uh, mm-hmm. when I guess Glass now and Snell had just been here for a year or so. And I said, what, what's it like working with him? What's it like working? Oh, man, he's great. He's fantastic. And I thought, 
the energy that these two young men showed me that, that question I was like, yeah, that's the kind yeah. of coach everybody wants. Yeah. And he was just, I don't know, just, you can just tell that guys in people's corner and as, and that's what you need as a pitching coach. Like you said, coming off of a bad outing or something like that, like guy coming up and telling you like, Hey, one outing or like tapping on the leg and kind of like, Hey, we'll go back to work tomorrow. You know, like that just gets you going to the next day. Cause you can't like baseball, like I said, that game of failure, but you, at the end of the day, there's another game the next day. And then you may not get out there that day, but you can work towards that day to get better on the next day. You know, so there's, I don't know, just having those guys is, I think they're pivotal to these organizations. And I think that's why the Rays have such good success. And that's why their pitching staff is so good, even with them not having the top dogs. And I'm actually really, really excited to see Glasno come back this year. Cause I mean, he's, I've actually had a privilege of meeting him a couple of times and he's just a, he's a good human being too. He's a great human being. Well, like I said, the Rays, I think, are very fortunate to have some of the people they have, and certainly with Kyle Snyder and Glass now. And, mm-hmm. and I want to say that one more time because you're talking about the positivity. You know, when we mm-hmm. first started talking on the show and the first episode with you and I, the one thing I put into the title was perseverance. And, Chris, mm-hmm. that's what I see with you today is a guy mm-hmm. who has a direction. You know, he has something where he needs to achieve something. You, you've kind of given us your story with that, too. And I, I don't think any of those things would have happened if you didn't have the commitment and perseverance that you did to that. So I think it's a great example, whether, you know, in your life in baseball and your personal and professional life now, mm-hmm. and anybody who gets the opportunity to meet you, you know, I think they are blessed to do so. So, man, I, I can't thank you enough for being on here today and sharing that with folks. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I, if I could share my story and, and inspire anybody, you know, like I'm, it, I got a lot of breaks, you know, I got a lot of bad breaks, but at the end of the day, like, you count your blessings for even getting the opportunity, you know, like, you know, even when I wrote my retirement letter, you know, like I've always, I was always told like when you played baseball, like as long as you have a Jersey on your back, you have an opportunity. And, you know, and I really, 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 really took that to heart, you know, and, and I'm, like I said, I came across so many good people along the way. I continue to meet good people because of baseball, like you Mark. So it's just, that's what I love about, that's why the game of baseball is beautiful is like, you just, it just opens up so many opportunities, not just on the field, but even beyond it. And you can just take a lot of those morals and principles that you learn through the game. And like you said, kind of put it into, to real life situations, you know, and, and I've kind of done that with real estate, you know, real estate is not obviously easy. I mean, it's not rocket science, but at the same time it's you kind of get out what you put in. So, oh yeah. So, so that's what's kind of cool. Like I'm able to kind of, like I said, use my connections and still continue to watch the game I love and watch root on players that I played with, played against, you know? So it's, like I said, it, it's that's what makes the game of baseball very beautiful. Amen, brother. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Chris. It's been great having you here today on Baseball Biz On Deck. And like I was going to say, continuing to share your story with the, with the folks here listening. Wish you again continued success, my friend. And just keep enjoying the game. Yeah, thank you. Hey, I appreciate it. Like I said, anytime you talk shop about baseball, I don't get too many opportunities with that. So I always enjoy my time speaking with you and talking with you, Mark. Well, thank you, Chris. And I remind folks, too, that uh, Chris is a real estate executive in Tampa, and he's with the group called Compass. And where can they find you? more of you online, Chris? Um, you can find me on Instagram, C underscore Smitty7, um, or you can email me, chris.smith at compass.com, like if you have any real estate needs. Uh, be happy to help anybody. Fantastic, brother. Okay. Well, thank you again for joining us today here on Baseball Biz on Deck. And you can find us on just about everywhere, whether it's on Twitter, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, and a hundred others I can't think of, iHeartRadio. So thank you all again for joining us here today, and we'll talk with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>